a song, a serenade to you. And CBS News is next on KIXI AM and FM in Seattle. The weather outlook calls for increasing cloudiness with chance of little rain late tomorrow, decreasing chance of showers and partial clearing on Wednesday. The highs in the mid-60s, lows in the upper 40s. Currently in downtown Seattle, it's 55 degrees, the barometer rising at 30.21. At KIXI, the time is 11 p.m. CBS News. An emergency private session of the Senate Judiciary Committee has been called for Tuesday. The committee will consider Special Watergate Prosecutor Jaworski's claim that President Nixon is making a farce out of his job as Special Prosecutor. I'm Ann Crosman reporting on the CBS Radio Network. Jaworski makes his claim in a letter to the Senate Judiciary Committee. The letter follows an order Monday from Federal Judge Sirica for Mr. Nixon to comply with Jaworski's latest subpoena for 64 tapes of White House conversations. Jaworski says those tapes are relevant to the Watergate cover-up case. James St. Clair, the President's chief Watergate lawyer, argues that the question is within the executive branch of government and therefore beyond the power of the court to interfere. St. Clair says this conclusion is dictated both by the Constitution and judicial precedent. The Judiciary Committee has been assured at the time of Jaworski's appointment by Mr. Nixon that the White House would allow Jaworski free reign in doing his job. Sirica said in his order Monday that the president is attempting to restrain the independence of Jaworski and this attempt by the president violates both law and the, Mr. Nixon's own assurances of Jaworski's freedom. The White House has not yet commented on Jaworski's letter, but one committee member did, Republican Senator Charles McMathias of Maryland calling the latest developments dangerous and saying it was inexcusable for the president to tamper with Jaworski's independence. Vice President Ford says he was not familiar with Sirica's order, but that if the material Jaworski wants is relevant to the case, that material should be made available. More news in a minute. Your plans to paint the house this year don't have to be put off because of the high price of paint. This week, you can get True Test paint at its lowest price of the year. It's National True Test Paint Week at True Value Hardware Stores. Hi, Pat Summerall here with the details. True Test Supreme Latex House Paint is just $6.97 a gallon. It protects and wears like fine quality oil-based paint, yet it's latex, so it goes on easily, spreads smoothly. It dries in 30 minutes, and your painting tools clean up in soap and water. True Value Hardware Stores have True Test Supreme Latex House Paint and 24 Earth Tone Jamestown Colors in White for just $6.97 a gallon. You can get True Test Standard Redwood Stain, too, for fences and furniture. It seals and colors in just one coat. Get two gallons of True Test Redwood Stain for just $5 during National True Test Paint Week exclusively at participating True Value hardware stores. He's in the Yellow Pages. The FBI continues to look for kidnapped Patricia Hurst on charges of breaking a federal firearms law last week at a shooting in a sporting goods store in Los Angeles. Patricia's parents held a news conference outside their home in Hillsborough, California, and Richard Threlkeld was there. Randolph and Catherine Hurst came out to speak to newsmen, but they really seemed to be trying
trying to talk to Patty Hearst and the police who are looking for her. I just hope everybody will remember that physically Patty is still a kidnapped victim. She was taken away against her will. And psychologically, she's a victim of thought control by terrorists. And all I can do is hope and pray that God will bring her home again. I hope she'll give herself up and come home. The concern of Patty's parents at this point, as always, is for their daughter's safety, and they are worried that now either Patty or the authorities will trigger another bloodbath like the one that wiped out most of the SLA in Los Angeles. Richard Throckel, CBS News, Hillsboro, California. More in a minute. Give your hand to a friend. Give your heart to your love. To your love. But give your allergy to contact. Allergy is our business, too. We know pollen. And we know that any of the 12,000 quarts of air you breathe each day may contain enough pollen to make your eyes itch, make you sneeze, and drip. We also know an ingredient that helps block pollen's bad effects. It's the antihistamine most prescribed by allergy specialists. It's an ingredient in contact. Give your hand to a friend. Give your heart to your love. To your love. The tiny time pills in one contact keep this antihistamine working up to 12 full hours, all day, all night. Give your allergy to contact. Take contact only when needed, only as directed. Former Commerce Secretary Maurice Stans has surrendered some secret lists of Nixon campaign contributors whom Stans recommended for high federal jobs, including ambassadorships. The lists include communications between Stans and President Nixon. The President claims the lists are subject to executive privilege. People seem to be hoarding pennies, thus creating a shortage. And Mary Brooks, the director of the Mint, is urging Americans to turn loose their pennies, part of a nationwide campaign. We have made 62 billion pennies in the last 15 years. Now at least 30 billion of those are in the dresser drawers or cookie jars of Mr. and Mrs. America. Almost every home in this country has got a store of pennies because they're a nuisance. You know, this is kind of wasteful for us to make so many extra billion pennies and then let them go into hiding. Every time we strike a billion pennies, it costs the taxpayer $10 million. I'm Ann Crosman, CBS News. And CBS for Seattle, this is KIXI, where the time is six minutes past 11. The CBS Radio Mystery Theater presents... Marshall. Welcome to the terrifying world of your imagination. I have an unusual story for you about a crack in a cellar wall that resists all efforts to repair it. Despite all the learning through the ages, despite the world's great progress in physics, chemistry, biology, there are certain matters which cannot be explained by our computers or our wise men. Matters which may never have a logical explanation. Mr. Carroll, the contractor, 
was the first to admit that the crack in the wall was beyond him. I'm not a superstitious man, Mrs. Sanford, but something is happening here I, I can't explain. Look at that crack. Not a speck of mortar on it. Looks like it hadn't been touched in a hundred years. But I swear I closed it up not five minutes ago. I swear it. That, that cold draft blowing from it. Like from a tomb. Like from a tomb. <laughs> mystery drama, The Crack in the Wall, was written especially for the Mystery Theater by Sidney Sloan and stars Celeste Holm. It is sponsored in part by New Sugar-Free Diet 7-Up and Buick Motor Division. I'll be back shortly with Act One. And now another story of the ball and chain as Kellogg's Special K presents Veronica and Jeff. Jeffrey, isn't this romantic? Out in a quiet lake at night with you rowing the boat. Yes, Veronica, it's really neat. Jeffrey, what was that? Uh, frogs. Frogs that go bong? Uh, they're pretty weird frogs. Oh, Jeffrey, you're such a card. You have a ball and chain, like the ones they use in those special K commercials. Yes, Veronica, it symbolizes my few pounds of extra weight. But I'm going to get rid of it. How? Uh, by exercising. You know, like rowing this boat and eating smart at every meal, starting with a special K breakfast. You a one-ounce bowl of high-protein Special K, four ounces of skim milk, orange juice, and coffee? Uh, precisely. It's less than 240 calories, and it tastes delicious. It'll help me get rid of this ball and chain. I'll help, too, Jeff. After all, we're all in the same boat. <gasps> you have a ball and chain, too. <laughs> Your happy ending could begin with a Special K breakfast from Kellogg's. Banks have their boardrooms, hotels have their ballrooms, but one of the best-known rooms in the country is Project Hope's Room A. Here is where Americans as groups and as individuals send their contributions to support the work of Project Hope. It may be a check for $5,100 from a college group who held a hike for hope. It may be $2.95 from a 10-year-old who saved it up from summer jobs. It may be a check for $10 from a retired school teacher. It may be $400 raised by a teenager in Massachusetts whose carnivals for hope have become an annual event in his neighborhood. Every contribution, large and small, helps Hope continue its programs of treating the sick and training medical personnel to improve health care in many countries. Health is what Hope's all about. Help Project Hope reach out. Help Hope reach out. Write to one of the best-known addresses in the country. Project Hope, Room A, Washington, D.C. It was a cold, rainy, windy day when Paul and Nora Sandfort laid their child to rest in Green Tree Cemetery. Despite all the soothing words of friends and relatives, Nora's despair was inconsolable. She felt that nothing could ease the pain in her heart caused by the loss of her only child. Our Father, which art in heaven, be thy name. My baby. 
thanksgiving. Why did she have to die? Laura, darling, please. Our religion teaches us that God in his infinite wisdom decides... Don't speak these empty words to me. I accepted that because it never touched me before. I never thought of it. But our daughter... Oh, look at this child, just 16. Why? One does not question these matters, Nora. I do question. For the first time in my life, I question. I would do anything. Anything to bring my Ruth back to this world. Nora, please. Now you know that's impossible. Why? Why? Because our little girl Ruth is dead. Burnt to death. Nothing you can do or say or hope can change that. Oh. <gasps> Paul? Paul? Yes, Nora? Are you busy with something? No. I'm oh, just reading the newspaper. First chance I've had to take a look at it today. The minister was here today, Dr. Fowler. Oh? Say you want to see our new house. New? This house is over a hundred years old. Well, new for us, he meant. It's just an excuse to come here, actually. He wanted to know why I hadn't been to church the last several months. What did you tell him? Oh, I don't know. It was awkward. I said I'd be back next Sunday. Made some excuse about not having felt well lately. Well, I'm glad. About my going back to church? Yes. But more important than that, it means that you're getting over this, this depression, getting out into the world again, beginning to forget. No. No, you're wrong, Paul. I'll never get over wanting my little girl back with me. I'll never forget. Please believe me, Nora. I loved Ruth, too. But I accept the fact that she's gone from us forever. Uh, I'll never accept that. Oh, by the way, now I remember what I wanted to remind you about. What? It's about that crack in the cellar wall right in front of the washer and dryer. There's a terrible draft that comes from it. Well, there's no crack there, Nora. No crack? I thought I'd get rheumatism in the cold draft when I did the washing today. It hits you right in the back. I, I had that repaired. I paid for it. It's on the general bill for the repairs we had to make on the old house before we could move in. Well, then they cheated you. Charged you and never did the job. You sure? Seems to me that I remember... It's never it. been done. Those contractors will try. You know, it's Mr. Caro, isn't it? His number's on the telephone stand. Why don't you call him? Oh, it's 7.30, Nora. Well, come to think of it, it, the only time I could possibly reach him would be at night. He'd be busy all day out on the job. Hello, Miss Cara. Paul Sanford. I'm sorry to bother you, but one of the items on your bill to me for repairs on my house, uh, item 28, repair crack in cellar wall, north side interior, $45.60. You never closed up that crack. You what? Hold on a minute. Nora, he says he supervised that item himself, mixed the cement for it. Well, just tell him that he's got it wrong. Mr. Carroll, my wife says the crack is still there. It hasn't been repaired. Okay, sometime tomorrow morning? Right, thank you. It's kind of funny. He said he's willing to bet $100 that he completed the work.
Mrs. Sanford, I, I'm finished with the job, and I want your okay. Uh, I'll put on the pot and give you a cup of coffee. <laughs> Thanks, I'd appreciate that. Uh, come right down, I'm in a bit of a hurry. Won't be a minute. I'm coming, Mr. Garrow. Mrs. Sanford, the strangest thing. What did you say, Mr. Carroll? Uh, look at that wall. Oh, dear. Another crack? No, it's it's not another crack. What? It's the same crack. I I just filled it with cement. But you couldn't have. It looks old and dry. Look at my hands. They're still covered with cement. Here are my tools, my trowel, my, my hammer and chisel. I, I, I could swear it was closed up not five minutes ago. And, and that cold drop blowing from it. Like from a... A tomb. Like from a tomb. Oh, Mr. Sanford. Come in, come in. Thank you, Dr. Fowler. Well, come into the study. We won't be disturbed there. Now, right this way. Sit down, won't you? Thank you. Please forgive me for interrupting you at this hour. I don't quite know how to begin. As you know, we've been through a horrible experience. Yes. Losing your daughter in that fire. It's our only child. Just 16. Hey, Mr. Sanford, you must get hold of yourself. Yes. You, you see, I've been holding my emotions back for months. I had to be strong for Nora's sake. She's taken this very hard, yes, I know. She hasn't gotten over it. It shook her to the very foundation of her belief. I gathered that it's been only recently that you both came back into the church. She is... She's definitely twisted mentally. Her preoccupation is with a crack in the cellar wall, which she says cannot be repaired. What? Well, there's a long, jagged crack in the cellar wall. It's been there since we bought the house earlier this year, after our other house burned down. Have you tried to have this crack filled with cement? Oh, yes, yes, we tried. The way you say that is very strange. Well, I paid Carol the builder for repairs on the house. He was certain that he'd repaired the wall. However, he came back and patched up the crack again when he asked for my wife's okay on the job after he'd finished. They went down to the cellar and looked. The crack was open again. I, I don't understand. Neither do I. Carol said that he'd not left the cellar, that he'd called my wife to look at it. What's your explanation? I have none, Dr. Fowler, none. <laughs> In the cellar, Paul? Uh, yes, Nora. I'm, I'm filling up the crack in the wall with cement. Do you think that's wise, Paul? Wise? Well, I thought you wanted the wall repaired. Carol won't come here anymore, so... Well, that's what I mean. Paul, there's some very good reason why that wall resists repair. Well, that's a strange way of putting it. Wall resists repair. So you thought the wall had... I don't quite know how to put this. As though the wall... Had, had a will of its own? 
Nora, that's ridiculous. Is it? Mr. Carroll tried twice to fill that crack. He gave up. Yes, I know. I just received a check from him for $45.60, refunding the money I paid him for the job. Come on, let's go upstairs. This old cellar gives me the creeps. Look! My God. It's disappearing. The cement... The cement I just put into the cracks dissolving into thin air. Mr. Edmund, I'm, I'm calling about this house you sold us. No, 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 it, it's a good, solid old house. It's just that my wife isn't happy here. We're all alone, as you know. It just isn't right for us. Ye yes, I know, I'll, I'll have to take a loss if I change now, but I'm prepared for that. Okay, I, I'll see you tomorrow, around five, okay? Good. Goodbye, Mr. Edmonds. Pa, who was that on the phone? Oh, Nora, I, I called Mr. Edmonds. A real estate man? That's right. You're thinking of selling? Well, I thought you'd want to get out of here too, Nora. Whatever gave you that idea? Now, that's a very strange attitude. Don't you know what this all means? No, no, I, I don't understand it. Frankly, it scares me. Ruth is trying to reach us. What are you talking about? It was just two days ago. I was lying in bed. You were sound asleep. I heard the clock chime three. I felt something urging me to leave the bedroom and go down into the cellar. Nora... I've got to take you to a doctor. Paul, I'm not out of my mind. I tell you, our daughter is calling to me. She's trying to get to Darling, me. Nora, listen to me. What you're saying doesn't make sense. Our child is dead, Nora. Burnt to death. I spoke to her. I spoke to her through the crack in the cellar wall. You what? I spoke to our roof. And she spoke to me. Paul, wake up. Huh? Wake up. Uh, no. What time is it? Shh, quiet. What do you hear? Hear what? She's calling to me. Our little girl. She wants us. She needs Nora. us. Nora. Listen to me. You don't hear anything. You you just think you hear because listen, you want to hear. Listen. I don't hear anything. There it is again. It's very faint, but you can hear it. If you try hard enough. Please, darling, try to rest. I've made an appointment for you with Dr. Kuhn. I don't need a doctor. How do you hear it? Who's calling me? Yes. Like it's coming from the cellar. I must go to her. No, no, don't. You mustn't. My little girl is calling. I must go to her. Was Ruth calling to her mother, or was Paul Santfort falling into the clouded supernatural obsession that controlled Nora's life? He thought he heard the voice of his dead child calling to her mother. He couldn't be sure. But Nora's certainty was so strong that he was almost convinced that he heard it too.
I'll be back shortly with Act Two. Hello, Ms. Goldilocks here, and welcome to my professional taste-testing laboratory. Oh, Papa Bear, mm -hmm. could you bring that case of sugar-free Diet 7-Up over here? Another case? Ms. Goldilocks, you're drinking this sugar-free Diet 7-Up like there's no tomorrow. You can't still be taste-testing it. Oh, no, Papa Bear. Sugar-free Diet 7-Up has already earned my seal of approval. It's fresh, light, natural. Delicious. I drink it because I love its taste. Now hurry up. Okay, okay, here. Mm-hmm. This sugar-free diet 7-Up really tastes delicious. Ladies, if you're tired of switching from one diet drink to another, take some advice from Ms. Goldilocks. Try sugar-free diet 7-Up and you'll say, Yes, this one's just right. I'll bear witness to that, Goldie. <laughs> Young I may be, but still I'm a man Just turned 18 and I'll do what I can To find me a place where I can be me Get ready for life, be free and the sea Oh, where do I go from here? Oh, where do I go from here? I'm finished with school, but what lies ahead? Don't want to get trapped, want to feel free and safe all over the world, there's so much to do. The call of the sea, don't you hear it too? Oh, where do I go from here? Oh, where do I go from here? What about the new Navy? You'll get your chance of success, learn an exciting job, and see the world. Call toll-free 800-841-8000 or see your Navy recruiter. Be someone special in the new Navy. Everything that Paul and Ruth Sandford believed in is being drained away. They are living in a nightmare of twisted emotions, pulled farther and farther from the normal life they had known into a tangled, dreamlike world in which they hear the voice of their dead child calling to them. You're not going down into that cellar, Nora. It was Ruth's voice calling. Are you coming with me, Paul, or shall I go down alone? Nora, please. Now, we're dreaming this. It isn't happening. I heard her voice. You said you heard it. She was calling to me for help. Are you coming with me, or shall I go alone? I'll come with you, dear. Just to prove to you that there's nothing there. Nothing. How could there be? I know there is something there. Come. Now, wait, wait. Don't try to go down those steep cellar stairs in the dark. Turn on the light. It's out. It's not working. Here, let me try. Oh, I'm not going down there in the dark. There's some candles in the cupboard just outside the door. Get them. Well, candles won't do any good. Get them. Oh, I just remembered. I, I've got a flashlight in the kitchen table drawer. Hurry! Here we are. Now stay right behind me. I'll go first. Flash the light around. Oh, there's nothing... Nothing but that crack in the wall. Let's go back upstairs, Nora. Good evening. <gasps> oh, what? Who are you? Oh, I'm sorry if I frightened you. What? Who are you? What are you doing in our house? Doing? I am inspecting the wall. 
A wall that needs repair. And who are you? Why, I'm the helper. What are you talking about, helper? Whom are you helping? You. I don't like this, Paul. Please make him go away. If, if you want me to, I'll go. But I thought you needed me. Now I want you out of here. Or... I see you have a hammer in your hand. <laughs> You're afraid of me. Believe me, I came to help you. Who sent you? My, uh, employer. Who? Your friend. Your friend who knows of your sorrows. He sent me to seal up the crack in the wall. Well, I've tried. Several people have tried to do that. It won't stay closed. I can close it for you if you want me to. I repeat, if you want me to. You may not want it. Why? You will not hear the voice of your daughter ever again. No, no, no. D don't, don't seal it. Please. Nora. Now, maybe it would be best. No, no. No, this is insanity. Nor our daughter is dead. Dead and buried. And you think that is the end? Of course. It's the end of mortal life. And do you share your husband's beliefs, Nora? No, no. Ruth was calling to me. I want her back. I, I want to hold her in my arms. Am I dreaming? This can't be happening. What are we doing standing here talking to this... Paul, please. Don't. There's no one here. He was here? Where is he? He couldn't get past us up the stairs. Nora, where did he go? Oh. Oh. D Nora, dar darling. What's happened to you? Speak to me, dearest. Speak. Oh. Oh. What are we doing here in the cellar? How did we get here? And you say, Mr. Sanford, that you think you saw this uh, creature in the cellar of your house? No, it wasn't what you say. No, not a creature. It, it was a man, small, dwarf-like. He said he'd come to repair the wall. At three o'clock in the morning? Uh, you saw this man too, Mrs. Sanford? No. I don't know what Paul's talking about. I didn't see anything. I was fast asleep. Paul woke me and told a story. Mm, I see. Your daughter's death was a terrible shock to you both. It's, it's preying on your thoughts. Your grief pushed the normal day-to-day -day living from your minds. You began I to imagine... I heard her voice, Doctor. I heard Ruth's voice calling to me. Of course you did. But try to think rationally, Mrs. Sanford. You know it's impossible for you to have actually heard the voice of your dead daughter. Seriously, you can't believe you did, but can I... you? Seriously, can you believe that? I, I don't know. <laughs> It's all so simple if you will recognize the true authority. Who are you? I am merely a conveyor of ideas, a messenger. Then you are sent by the devil? 
Perhaps, perhaps I'm your friend. Uh, call me the helper. Can you help me? Can you bring my daughter back to me? Under certain conditions, but you might find the cost too high. What? Tell me. Nothing, nothing is too costly, too terrible. I'll, I'll agree to anything. Even if it meant that you would lose everything? Everything you've been taught about life and death since you were a child? Oh, yes. Yes, yes, I agree. I agree to anything, anything just to help me save my child. Help me. Help me. Nora. Nora, wake up. Nora, you're, you're having a bad dream. Darling. Out oh. your sleep. I woke you. Oh, he came to see me and told me that I... Who, darling? That ugly little creature. I'd seen him before, but I can't remember where. The helper. That's what he calls himself. I heard Ruth calling to me. Then he appeared. I don't know what it is. I don't want to know. We're getting out of this house and we're not coming back. Oh, you go, Paul, but I can't. But don't you see what's happening to us here? Something evil is pursuing us either to destroy us or drive us insane. No. No, I can have my daughter back. He'll help me. You can't believe that. I believe it. What does he expect in exchange? I... I can't tell you, Paul. I... I just can't tell you. <laughs> Dr. Fowler, right on time. Is um, Mrs. Sanford home? Uh, no. No, I called her sister and got her to make a date with Nora so she wouldn't be here. My work is suffering. We're not sleeping well. Nora's had terrible dreams, nightmares. You've told your physician, Dr. Coombs? If anyone can help us, it's God. Dr. Fowler... We have seen the evil one. What? We have seen him. We have spoken with him. It's either the devil or one of his emissaries. He calls himself the helper. Uh, my good man, in this enlightened age, when we speak of Satan, it is usually, uh, well, what I mean to say is we, we think of the devil as the embodiment of all evil, but not as an actual being. I see. Well, Dr. Fowler, if you can't help us, we may have to go to someone who can. There are groups where they believe in the devil. Uh, Mr. Sanford. Paul. Please understand. I cannot believe in the devil's being other than an abstract name for evil. If I can show him to you, will you believe me then? I saw him. I have seen the devil and the devil's work, and I'm frightened to death. <laughs> Yes? Uh, you know the two people I referred to you, the Sanfords? Yes. In your opinion, Dr. Coombs, would you say that they were insane? Well, I don't know, Dr. Fowler. The word insane is a legal one, not a medical one. Well, deranged and mentally ill. 
Well, I would say from a very cursory examination that they were both suffering from severe emotional stresses brought on by the untimely death of their only child. Well, would that explain their hallucinations? Hallucination? Uh, to put it bluntly, Doctor, they think they have been speaking with the devil. Have seen him, in fact. Hmm, not exactly a common delusion in this day and age. If they need medical help, they must come to me. I can't solicit... Yes, it. yes, yes, I realize that, Dr. Combs. Uh, perhaps a sanitarium would be the best place for them. They could be taken care of and have a change of scene to get over the grief that they feel. An excellent idea, Fowler, but who's going to commit them? Can you get them to commit themselves voluntarily? I don't know. I'll try. Have you come to any decision? I've been thinking about it. I've heard you say you would do anything to have your daughter back. You had made up your mind. Yes. Oh, yes, but... But still, you hesitate. What? What you've asked of me is almost... Well, I'm almost afraid to think of it. It's been in my mind, awake and asleep. I, I can't tell the difference anymore. You hesitate. Thinking of yourself while your daughter suffers. Oh, no, no. I will leave you now. Perhaps never to return. This is your last chance. <gasps> Nora. made my decision. What decision? About Ruth. I am going to bring her back. Bring her back? What are you saying? I'm going to bring her back, no matter what the cost, no matter what the consequences are. Nora and Paul have come far along a tortuous, a frightening path. Now Nora is determined to see the matter to the end, despite the consequences. I'll be back shortly with Act Three. Buick introduces a new concept for you to consider in light of today's concern about miles per gallon. Range. Range is what you get when you multiply the mileage your car gets per gallon by the number of gallons your car's gas tank holds. Range is what you need to get you there and back, especially if you plan to travel even just a little. Range is one of the things that helped make the Buick Apollo such a special small car. A small car with range. It comes from coupling the Apollo's economical six-cylinder engine with a standard 21-gallon gas tank. It holds a lot, but it doesn't use a lot. Holds a lot of people, too. There's room for six in Buick Comfort. And the ride is Buick, too. In fact, the only place the Apollo may deviate from your conception of a Buick is in its low price. Look into the Apollo. It's what you'd expect a Buick to be, and a lot more than you'd expect a small car to be. Apollo. It's the Buick of small cars. Who knows how to help you solve your shopping problems? Your 
Better Business Bureau knows. Hey, honey, this looks like a good deal. No payment for three months on easy credit terms. But, dear, do you think we can meet the payments? She's right, you know. Shop for credit as carefully as you shop for products. Who are you? I'm the man from the Better Business Bureau. And before you decide to buy anything on time, ask yourself if you can make the payments out of your regular income. How far is your credit extended now? Have you any credit or cash reserve to cover an unexpected illness or a loss of your job? Gee, maybe I'd better think it over. Thanks for your advice. Oh, not at all. Not at all. Just another consumer tip from your Better Business Bureau. Forces are tearing at the sanity of Paul and Nora Santfort. Nora's sleeping and waking worlds are so much the same that she can no longer differentiate between them. In her thoughts, in her ears, are the words of her dead daughter calling to her for help. Paul thinks he has heard the child, too, but is uncertain. He is not sure whether or not it is the driving influence of his wife's obsession or what he has actually heard and seen himself. I don't know, Doctor. I, I don't know anymore. Everything is so confused. I want you to sign commitment papers for your wife. You mean put her in... In a good sanitarium, in a place where she'll be safe and, and receive the proper treatment for her... Uh, her, her problems. I, I don't know. I, I don't think she's crazy. You're not in any condition to judge her mental health, Mr. Sanford. What do you mean? Well, I mean, I'm asking you to make a difficult decision. I'm also asking you to commit yourself. No! I won't think of it. Send him away. Send the doctor away. Paul, how can you do this to me? You know I'm not insane. You heard her. That night, we both went down into the cellar, and that little man, you remember? The helper? You saw him, too. You know I'm not crazy. I won't go. I won't. You can't make me. She's gone into the bedroom, Dr. Coombs. Is there a lock on the door? No. Well, suppose I go in. Perhaps a sedative to quiet no, her. please, doctor. Let me speak to her first. She'll listen to me. Yeah, very well. I'll, I'll wait out in the car if you want me. Yes, yes, please go. I, I think she'll listen to me. If you're not here... Nora? Nora? May I come in? Is that doctor still here? No, no, he's outside in his car. Paul, how could you do this to me? Deceive me, try to put me away. But I explained everything to you. I will never consent. I'm going with you, dear. I'm going in, too. What? Why? Why do you want to do such a thing? Because I'm frightened. I've never been afraid in my life before, but this is all beyond me, beyond any rational explanation. And you think you'll be away from your fear in that place? Oh, Paul, I'm not out of my mind, and neither are you. How much longer can we stand this? Listen to me. 
What? I can tell you. Only you. What? I've made a pact with the helper. Oh, Nora. He has given me the power to bring Ruth back. You don't know what you're saying. Oh, yes, I do. That's impossible. Now, don't be foolish. Don't tell anyone else what you've told me. Now, you think I'm insane, too, don't you? Well, I don't know what to think. He has given me two wishes. Two wishes? Yes. He said that I would need two. Actually, all I need is one. To bring my dear child back. Yes. Yes, Nora, of course. Now... Now, I want you to do something for me. What? Don't fight me now. Go along with me for a little while. Perhaps this nightmare will stop. We'll be able to get out when we want to. I have the doctor's promise. Can you trust him? Yes, darling. Since we're committing ourselves, we can get ourselves released merely by asking to be released. And our poor tortured child? Who will be here to hear her call? Who will be here to comfort her, Paul? We're running away, deserting. Darling, Nora, our Ruth will be with us always, no matter where we are. Ah, the, oh, the phone. Oh, hello. Hello, Mr. Sanford. Yes, Dr. Coombe? I'm calling from the sanitarium. Is there anything wrong? Yes, your wife has disappeared. You mean walked out? Nobody saw her leave. As a matter of fact, it's a bit of a mystery. Her room was locked. Perhaps someone, one of the attendants or nurses unlocked the door for her. No, we've questioned the entire staff. At one o'clock, the nurse assigned to that section entered her room to administer a mild sedative. Your wife had complained she was worried because you weren't there. Well, I was just cleaning up a few urgent matters here. I was coming to commit myself tomorrow morning. I told her that, but it didn't seem to have any effect. When was Nora last seen? Not more than ten minutes before 1 a.m. Another nurse on the floor answered her ring. She told the nurse about her anxiety and her inability to sleep. She hasn't returned home, has she? No. What do you want me to do, doctor? Stay where you are. She may come home. It's very likely that she will come there. Emily, I'm sorry to be calling you at this hour, but Nora has disappeared. She walked out of the hospital. The fire, Ruth's death, it, it's been preying on our minds, and I thought that... Wait, Emily, I... That's my doorbell. I'll call you back. I just wanted to know if Nora was with you. I'll call you back. Let me know if Nora shows up. Bye. Oh, Dr. Fowler. Come in. Oh, thank you. I got a call from Dr. Coombs about 20 minutes ago. Yes? He asked me to see you. He said you might need me. I came right over. Anything I can do to help? Nothing. Unless you can find Nora, she's been missing since about 1.30 a.m. About three hours. Where would she go? Where could she go? I don't know. What? What was that? I heard it, too. 
Do you have a cat, Paul? No. Sounds like a cat. It was Ruth. She's calling Nora. Ruth? My daughter. Oh, yes, yes, your daughter. But she's... She's dead. You hear your dead child's voice calling? You heard it, too. No. No, 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 it can't be. That's superstitious nonsense. That's what I thought. But I don't anymore. Ruth is calling to us from the grave. I hear it. I hear it. Paul, pray with me. Pray to God to make her go back. No. Nora will be here. She will come here in answer to her child's cries. Her mother's love is so strong that Ruth's outstretched hand will reach across the void of death and touch the hand of her mother. Yes? Fowler? Yes? I thought you were going to report back to me. I've just been through the most shattering experience of my life. You saw Mrs. Sanford? No. I'm not a superstitious man, Dr. Coombs, but... I heard the voice of Ruth Sanford calling to her mother from the grave. Dr. Coombs, I, I thought it was Nora. She hasn't returned yet, huh? I was talking with your minister, Dr. Fowler. He seemed quite upset. Any word from the police? Nothing. They've gotten several false telephone tips from cranks. Only one man identified himself by name, a, a Mr. Helper. Helper? You know him? Yes, I know him. The police asked him for his address. He gave them one, but it proved to be a phony. Do you know where to find him? You won't believe this, Doctor. But the last place I saw him was... in my cellar. What? I don't know how he got there. I, I didn't see him leave. Although I was standing, talking to him at the moment, he... he vanished. Vanished? Disappeared. I see. Uh, disappeared right before your eyes. Oh, yes, I remember you telling me about that incident when you both came to my office. Hello, who's there? Oh, I've come home. What is he doing here? I won't go back to that place. He can't make Nora, me go back. Nora, dear. Send him away, Paul. Paul, make him leave. We don't need him. Mrs. Sanford, as your doctor, You're I... not my doctor anymore. Please go! Leave us alone. Please, Dr. Coombs, your being here will just make her worse. Very well, if you think you can manage. Yes, I can manage. I'm sorry you feel this way about me. Good morning. He was trying to do what he thought best for you, for us. He has no way of knowing what is best for us. He was just interfering, keeping us from Ruth. Nora, please give up that mad notion. Give it up? No. Paul, I will not give it up. Tonight, this morning, before dawn, we will bring our child back to us. Nora, 
think what you're saying. I've thought, and I've made up my mind. Before daylight, he said. What time is it now? It's 20 after 4. It won't be light before 6. We must do it now. Come. We'll go together. Go? Where? To the place I first heard her voice. Calling to me, the cellar. The crack in the wall. Are, are you sure you want to go through with this? I think, Nora. I've come too far to turn back now. I don't care what happens to me. It's Ruth we must think of. All right, Nora, I'll go along. I'd better get my flashlight. The light's still out in the cellar. No, Paul. What I must do must be done in darkness. No lights. Now, let's go down the stairs. Now, Paul, don't say anything. I must ask for her life. From the master. Oh, master, listen to my plea. I have paid dearly for this boon. Heed my request and grant it to me in payment. I fear your presence, master. But I implore you, grant my wish. I, I wish my daughter were alive and with me now. My daughter, please give me back my daughter. Ruth, where are you? Come to me. of their lives and go on. Strangely enough, the crack in the cellar wall was finally closed and no human hand had a part in its repair. I'll be back shortly. Never heard of beer on the rocks? No? Swell. The people who brew Budweiser never have thought ice in your beer was such a cool idea anyway. 
If you only knew how ice cuts down the head and waters the taste. Oh, a chilling thought. A downright tragedy with Budweiser especially. Budweiser is the king of beers. The only beer in America that's beechwood aged, naturally carbonated. Which means Bud brews its own bubbles, tiny ones, over a dense lattice of beechwood strips. The beer ages the best way, the right way, naturally. But add an ice cube and bloop, there goes all that extra effort. So if you forget to cool enough, bud, skip the cubes and put your Budweiser on ice for a while, on the coldest shelf in your refrigerator. Even if the weight does frost you a little, it'll be worth it. Anheuser-Busch, St. Louis. I want that sinus medicine. Headache tablets? No, sinus medicine. Sinus tablets. Helps the headache and the pressure. Oh, you mean sign-off. Exactly. Headache pain is one thing. A sinus headache is something else. Sometimes your whole face can seem to throb with pain. You want relief. Take sign-off tablets. S-I-N-E-O-F-F. The sinus medicine that gives you a full dose of pure aspirin plus a sinus drainer. Sign-off. The sinus medicine that helps relieve sinus pain while you drain. And Sinoff doesn't stop there. Have you tried Sinoff Sinus Spray, the fastest known form of sinus congestion relief? It works in seconds. That's Sinoff Sinus Spray. When sinus flares up, use Sinoff tablets and spray only as directed. S-I-N-E-O-F-F. Sinoff. Exactly. Sinoff, the sinus medicines in the bright red box. mother's love cannot be measured by any instrument known to man. The supernatural strength to reach out into the void of darkness and bring back to life the child of her heart defies all the natural laws of nature. The answer can only be found in the terrifying world of the imagination, a world where anything the mind can conceive can happen. Our cast included Celeste Holm, Wes Addy, Robert Maxwell, Robert Dryden, and Anne Costello. The entire production was under the direction of Hyman Brown. Radio Mystery Theater was sponsored in part by Sinoff, the Sinus Medicines, Anheuser Busch Incorporated, Brewers of Budweiser, and the Kellogg Company, makers of Kellogg's Special K cereal. This is E.G. Marshall inviting you to return to our mystery theater for another adventure in the macabre. Until next time, pleasant dreams. CBS News coming up shortly on KIXI.
CBS News next on KIXI, AM and FM in Seattle. The weather outlook calls for increasing cloudiness, chance of a little rain late tomorrow, decreasing chance of showers on Wednesday, highs mid-60s, lows in the 40s. Currently, it's 55. CBS News, a new hassle in Washington over the Watergate tapes. I'm Ann Crosman, reporting on the CBS radio network. Federal Judge John Sirica has given the president until May 31st to comply with a subpoena from Special Watergate Prosecutor Jaworski, the subpoena for 64 tapes of White House conversations, which Jaworski feels are relevant to his Watergate cover-up case. The president's chief Watergate lawyer, James St. Clair, wanted to quash the subpoena, claiming that the question of the 64 tapes lay entirely within the executive branch of government and was beyond the power of the courts to interfere. Jaworski says that presidential argument makes a farce of the job of special prosecutor and in effect says, I, the president, have ultimate authority to determine when to prosecute, whom to prosecute, and with what evidence to prosecute. Jaworski put his protest in writing to the Senate Judiciary Committee, which has scheduled a special closed session this afternoon. Both Jaworski and St. Clair have been invited to attend. The committee was assured by the White House at the time of Jaworski's appointment that he would have freedom to pursue the Watergate case. The House Judiciary Committee continues hearing evidence today in its impeachment inquiry. The committee also expects to receive an answer from the White House about some tapes and material it wants relating to the Milk Fund and the IT&T matters. The committee asked for that material a month ago. Committee Chairman Peter Rodino has said that if it is not turned over, he will seek a subpoena. Last night, Rodino was asked if some committee members believe the president's refusal to give up more tapes is an obstruction of justice and therefore an impeachable offense. It's uh, likely that members of the committee will consider this as such and can draw inferences. You know, under the law, one may draw an inference that material that uh, is withheld or isn't turned over uh, could be uh, could be inferred to be a sign of culpability. Rodino appeared on the public broadcasting system program, Washington Straight Talk. The latest on the Mideast in a minute. I want that sinus medicine. Headache tablets? No, sinus medicine. Helps the headache and the pressure. Oh, you mean sign-off. Exactly. Exactly right. When sinus flares up with congestion and pain, insist on sign-off tablets. Sign-off delivers a full dose of pure aspirin plus a sinus drainer. Sign-off helps sinus pain while you drain. Use only as directed. S-I-N-E-O-F-F. Sign-off. Exactly. Sign-off. The sinus medicines in the bright red box. A gentle rain in one place can be a raging torrent in another. When disaster strikes, America has a unique emergency force. The American Red Cross. The good neighbor. On call 24 hours a day to give help on the next block or a continent away. If you need help, join us. If you can give help, join us. The American Red Cross. Help us help people just like you. Secretary of State Kissinger continues to work out details of a plan for troop pullbacks on the Syrian front. Both Israel and Syria have now agreed on a line from which they would pull back their forces. CBS News diplomatic correspondent Marvin Kalb reports from Jerusalem. Kissinger conferred with Israeli Prime Minister Golda Meir until well past midnight Jerusalem time. 
giving her a fill-in on his four and a half hours of talks earlier in Damascus with President Hafez Assad. Those talks registered good progress, according to Kissinger, basically on the shape and functioning of a buffer zone designed to keep the two armies apart on the Golan Heights. The zone would be about two to six kilometers wide, and it would be populated by a U.N. police force. Another major issue to be discussed and resolved is how much manpower and firepower will be allowed in the limited force zones, which will be set up on either side of the buffer. Kissinger returns to Damascus for more talks with President Assad. One subject then will be how the U.S. can help police the ceasefire. Obviously, by a form of aerial reconnaissance, but the exact form is still not clear. Having settled on the line of separation, the major issue, the secretary is now trying to tie up all of the loose ends and nail down an agreement by the end of this week. He says he is going to go home this weekend, no matter what. Marvin Kalb, CBS News, Jerusalem. More in a minute. Whether you're planning to paint your home inside or out, now's the perfect time to buy all the paint you'll need. It's National True Test Paint Week at True Value Hardware Stores, and they have quality paints at special sale prices. Hi, Pat Summerall here with the details. Choose True Test Standard Interior Latex, for instance. It applies easily, dries fast, leaves no painty odor. Provides a soft, dull finish that's washable. Painting tools clean in soap and water. Choose pastels or white. Get two gallons for just $9. True Value Hardware Stores have True Test Standard Latex House Paint on sale, too. It resists fumes, mildew, alkali, blistering, and fading. Dries dust-free quickly, leaving a low-sheen finish. In white or ready-mixed colors, you get two gallons for just $9. Choose either or both True Test Standard Interior or Exterior Latex Paint. Two gallons for $9 during National True Test Paint Week, exclusively at participating True Value hardware stores. He's in the yellow pages. In Northern Ireland, moderate labor leaders are urging back-to-work marches today, the seventh day of a crippling general strike that's been called by Protestant workers. I'm Ann Crosman, CBS News. And CBS for Seattle, this is KIXI, with the time now is six minutes past midnight.